Okay, I think we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, good evening to everyone. And just so everyone knows, uh, this meeting is being recorded so that we can post it on our website uh, as well. Uh, good evening, my name is Kent Ralston. I am the Executive Director of the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County. Uh, welcome to the first of two meetings uh, covering our long range transportation plan revision process uh, that we are naming the Future Forward Connecting Communities 2050 plan. Next slide, please. Uh, real quick, we will uh, talk a little bit about who we are here at the MPO. Uh, we'll talk about what the Long Range Transportation Plan is. We'll talk about the planning process and timeline, our public engagement efforts, uh, of course, touch on highlights from the plan itself, and then we'll jump into uh, next steps as well. Next slide, please. So first off, just a little bit about who we are. Uh, we're the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County. Uh, most importantly, we're a federally mandated transportation planning and policymaking organization. Uh, we are required uh, by legislation. Um, when our metropolitan area hits 50,000 uh, persons or any metropolitan area that hits 50,000 in population, uh, you then are required to have a metropolitan planning organization. That happened here in the Iowa City urbanized area right about 1982. Uh, and we were, uh, then became the Metropolitan Planning Organization for our area uh, by decree by Governor Ray. Uh, primarily, we specialize in transportation uh, planning, traffic engineering, grant writing, land use planning. Uh, I do typically tell folks that about 90% of what we do is mostly in that transportation planning and transportation, uh, excuse me, traffic engineering arena. Uh, we do grant writing and land use planning for some of the smaller communities, uh, but less so uh, than, our, than our other work. Uh, we're probably best known for channeling federal funding for transportation projects and programs to local entities, and we do that through three different uh, pots of money typically. The first is our surface transportation block grant funding. Uh, that's primarily for roads and bridges. Our transportation alternative program funding, which is primarily used for trails. And then our transit funding. So our organization also receives uh, transit operating funds for the three local systems being Iowa City Transit, Coralville Transit, as well as the University of Iowa CAM bus system. Uh, for the first two funding sources I mentioned, we allocate roughly uh, seven to eight million dollars every few years. Uh, and for transit, um, we actually allocated something like $17 million uh, last year, largely due to the additional funding we received. Uh, in COVID emergency funds. Uh, one of the things the MPO is responsible for is ensuring that scarce expenditures of federal funds for transportation projects and programs are based on a local planning process. As you can imagine, this takes a lot of federal uh, required documents, uh, notwithstanding long range plans, which is what we're here to talk about uh, this evening. And then lastly, we provide a forum for regional issues such as affordable housing and environmental policies. Uh, this certainly is not the uh, mainstay of our work, but we have done this in the past, and we're, of course, happy to help uh, with some of these other regional issues uh, if and when we can. I just wanted to mention real quick uh, the staff that we have here at the MPO. We have 5.2 full-time equivalents. Uh, we have five full-time planners, uh, myself being the executive director, uh, Emily Bothell, who is our senior associate transportation planner. Uh, we have uh, Sarah Walls, an associate transportation planner, uh, Frank Wayseth, another associate transportation planner, and then Hannah Neal, uh, also an associate transportation planner. And then the point two is for Amalia Boscom, who is our administrative uh, secretary, and that position is shared uh, here with the city of Iowa City uh, to share resources. Next slide, please. 
As far as our uh, governance is concerned, we're govern governed by two policy boards comprised of elected officials. Uh, that's dictated by population as directed by our bylaws. The first is the Urbanized Area Policy Board, which has 16 members, uh, six from Iowa City, one from the University of Iowa, one from the Iowa City Community School District, who is an ex officio member and does not vote, uh, two from Coralville, one from University Heights, two from North Liberty, one from Tiffin, and then two from Johnson County. Uh, we also have a Rural Policy Board, uh, which is comprised of eight members, uh, all elected officials as, as well. Uh, and you can see there's one from each one of those uh, communities, except for two from Johnson County, again, because of the larger uh, population. Next slide, please. Uh, real quick, uh, this slide shows our metropolitan area. Uh, the metropolitan planning boundary is the area in which the metropolitan transportation planning process is carried out. Uh, it is comprised of the five communities here in our urban area, Iowa City, University Heights, Coralville, North Liberty, and Tiffin and then also portions of unincorporated Johnson County. And that is within uh, what is known as our planning boundary. And in the slide there, you can see on the map, it's sort of that faint gray line uh, that outlies the urban area there in the darker colors. Uh, the importance of that is that our federal funding uh, that I touched on earlier can only be spent within that planning boundary. And it represents roughly a 20 to 30 year growth boundary uh, for most of those communities. Uh, while the long-range transportation plan is for all of Johnson County, uh, is primarily focusing on the urban area, uh, largely, again, because the funding can only be spent within that planning boundary. Next slide, please. Uh, so what is the long-range transportation plan? Uh, in its simplest form, it's a planning document designed to help guide decision-making about transportation improvements and funding into the future. Uh, and that future is roughly in the 25 to 30-year time frame. Uh, for those familiar with a community's comprehensive plan, it's very similar to a uh, comprehensive plan, although, of course, it focuses on transportation uh, and transportation planning. Uh, and we'll go into some of those details here in a few more slides. Next slide, please. As far as the planning and process, uh, the planning process and timeline is concerned for the long-range plan, uh, from roughly May until November of 2020, uh, we gave presentations of the plan's visions, goals, and performance measures to interested groups. Uh, we then, from about December uh, 2020 to April 2021, collected public comment on proposed infrastructure projects submitted by communities. Again, uh, to access our federal funds, uh, projects must be submitted by the communities and included in our long-range transportation plan, uh, and there were roughly 100, 125 different unique projects submitted. Then from April to August of 21, uh, we prepared the draft document and continued with presentations to public groups as well as interested parties. And then now we're in sort of this last phase of the plan, the September 21 to May of 22 timeframe. Uh, we're working on the public comment and adoption process. Again, this is one of two uh, Zoom meetings that we're holding uh, covering the same material, uh, the second being on April 12th at noon. And then final adoption of the plan uh, needs to be completed by May, uh, by the end of this month, or excuse me, May of 2022, uh, next month. Uh, and that is uh, the timeline for the plan. Next slide, please. And then so uh, with respect to public engagement efforts, uh, we've had lots of presentations and efforts to engage the public over the last 18 months or so. Uh, early on, we held an online survey uh, where, we, where we got over 600 unique responses uh, to questions about how folks felt about our transportation system, uh, the condition of the system, the modes they prefer, uh, and methods of travel. 
uh, and again, had about 600 unique responses, so we were very happy with that. Uh, we then had three mode-specific meetings, uh, one for our road and bridge network, one for our bike and pedestrian network, and one for our passenger transportation, uh, freight, and aviation uh, systems. Uh, we also held an online uh, interactive project map or posted an online uh, interactive map where, again, uh, we showed what those roughly 100 to 125 unique uh, capital improvements were. Uh, folks could actually click on any one of those uh, projects and learn more about them. Uh, the year in which we thought they would be uh, completed, the cost of the project, the purpose of the project, uh, and some of the other elements uh, of each one of those unique projects. And then lastly, we also gave uh, eight presentations to our technical advisory committee and eight presentations to our urbanized area policy board, uh, which, I, which I touched on earlier, um, requesting various approvals throughout this process, as well as just providing general updates to them to keep them apprised of the uh, activities with respect to the long range plan. And unless there's any questions uh, at this point, uh, next, uh, Emily Bothell will discuss some of the highlights of the plan, um, and get into sort of some of the nuts and bolts. Thanks, Kent. Um, my name is Emily Bothell. I'm the Senior Associate Transportation Planner here for the MPO. Um, so I will be touching on um, some of the highlights from the plan. Um, and just know that this is the tip of the iceberg. Um, there's a lot more information um, about our metro region. Johnson County is one of the fastest growing counties in the state, and then Tippin and North Liberty are two of the fastest growing communities in Iowa. So this rapid growth brings many challenges and opportunities. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about that outside of what we go over today, um, please check out the plan on our MPO webpage. It's under the long range, <clears throat> excuse me, transportation plan page. So the graph here compares population growth um, from two distinct five-year periods. Um, you can see from 2010 to 2019. I wanted to point out Tiffin's population grew by over 131% since 2010. Um, and North Liberty is also seeing significant growth. Um, in comparison to Iowa City and Coralville, they're seeing more constant growth um, within this time frame. Um, Long-range long planning is important to consider that um, consider our current transportation network um, and to ensure that the network um, can um, extend out and support that population growth out to 2050. As this is a long range transportation plan, we forecasted this population growth out to 2050 based on linear growth trends. Um, based on these trends, the share of the metro population residing in Iowa City by the year 2050 is expected to decrease while North Liberty's population is expected to increase to 22%. So you can see they're going from about 15 and a half to 22. Similarly, Tiffin is expected to represent a larger proportion of the metro area area population um, representing 7% out to 2050. Vehicle miles traveled. Um, this is a way for us to understand generally how trends in vehicle use and um, congestion can change over time. So at the local level, Tiffin and North Liberty, as they are seeing these population increases, they're also seeing um, increases in vehicle miles traveled. Um, and they're growing at faster rates than our other metro communities. 
The second graph shown um, is Metro VMT across um, a, a longer period, so 2011 to 2020. Generally, the trend um, has been you know, increasing, but you can see that dip from 2019 to 2020 um, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So not as many people were out um, traveling, um, more people were at home. The slide here represents commuting patterns between Johnson County and other nearby counties. Many metro area residents reside in one community but travel daily to another community for work. This directly impacts our transportation network in terms of congestion, connectivity, and then vehicle miles traveled, which I just touched on. So this um, shows you that nearly 40,000 workers that are employed in Johnson County live outside the county. So in other words, we have 40,000 people that are commuting into Johnson County every day for work. And that is a, a substantial number. Um, on the flip side, we have about 22,000 workers living in Johnson County that commute out to nearby counties every day for work. So um, we have this, this pattern of people coming in, people going out. It's not just the circulation here within our metro area. So we are now able to show trends in our region's performance measures. Um, I'll share performance measures for system preservation and safety. Um, and these are two of our guiding principles. The full list of performance measures is available in the plan. So again, please check out the plan on our webpage. Um, this image is also re for reference. I'm not sure how well you can see um, some of those smaller data points, um, but you can see that our metro region is seeing improvements in terms of bridge condition, um, and then the percentage of pavement that's measured at fair or better, that is also improving with time. In terms of safety, um, the region is also seeing a decrease in the number of motor vehicle fatalities. That said, the number of serious injury accidents has increased along with non-motorized fatalities and injuries. So those are those involving bikes and pedestrians. These accidents though are occurring along, um, primarily along highways. And so these are areas where there may not be a pedestrian facility or maybe only a paved shoulder. Again, these measures help us evaluate how our region's transportation network is doing um, and whether or not we are making improvements. So I'm going to um, move into the mode specific content, starting with road and um, bridge. Um, the 587 mile um, metro area network is, is the backbone to our transportation system. And between FY18 and 21, over $19 million in that federal surface transportation block grant funding that Kent was talking about was distributed through the Metro to support this network. So that's to maintain it, the existing um, infrastructure that we have, but also to extend infrastructure um, in those areas that are growing. Um, these are projects that qualify for federal funding, um, and they fall under the classification of major arterials and some collectors, as well as interstates and state highways. So um, this isn't talking about, um, in terms of federal funding, those local city streets. So this map shows the projects that were submitted by MPO entities, improve, approved by the policy board, and are expected to be completed in the 2022 to 2030 timeframe. 
all projects um, that are approved are eligible for federal funding out to 2050. So we have three timeframes, and this is just one of those timeframes. Um, feel free, again, to take a look at the plan for the additional timeframes. Um, the projects listed on this slide um, are programmed and expected to be completed in the FY22 to 25 timeframe, um, the ones that we pulled out there. So Melrose Avenue, um, Fifth Street Reconstruction, Park Road, um, in Tiffin, Taft Avenue reconstruction in Iowa City, Ranch Highway improvements in North Liberty, and then Sunset Street um, pavement improvements in Iowa City as well. This map um, gives you an idea of the anticipated congestion that we expect to see in the AM peak hour in 2050. So this is with our existing um, road network, the committed projects that are already kind of planned for and in place um, and will be completed in the next few years, and that it includes those planned road projects that will extend out to 2050 and are expected to be completed. So on an average weekday, the average vehicle miles traveled per household equates to about 60 miles, and then the number of person trips is near 15. Again, additional congestion maps are available um, in the plan. We have AM and PM um, congestion maps for our existing network. Um, and then again, the, the um, 2050 timeframe as well. Moving on to the bike and pedestrian network, um, you can see here that um, we are making significant progress in terms of our bike facilities. Um, and increasing active transportation is an important goal for the metro. So the metro area has more than 65 miles of off-street facilities and another 63 miles of wide side paths that are adjacent to roadways. Um, Iowa City also has more than 15 miles of roadways that are now marked with bike lanes. Projects shown on this map are those that are, again, eligible for federal funding, but they're bike and pedestrian specific, and those that could be realistically completed based on anticipated revenue out to 2050. So many of these projects are repaving of aging trails, but a few of them um, include new extensions or fill some gaps within our network. Um, there is a bike and pedestrian funding shortfall, so the projects that are listed as illustrative, um, the 18 to 22 there. Those are projects that, um, in terms of cost and anticipated revenue, um, they're not expected to be completed in this time frame. We included this map in the plan, which shows the identified gaps, but then also the existing and planned facilities that provide for the crossing of significant barriers or obstacles for bikes and pedestrians in our network. Um, you can see, again, we've made significant progress um, to get people across these barriers, but there is still um, some work to be done. Um, some areas along um, Highway 218, along Interstate 80, and then in Iowa City, um, the Highway 16 Riverside intersection there, um, that's a, a barrier that is identified. Um, that being said, within the next five years, a planned trail link under the I-80-380 interchange will connect the Clear Creek Trail from Coralville to Tiffin and then eventually out to Kemp Park. So that will be um, a great connection um, to kind of connect our entire metro area. 
Regarding passenger transportation, um, between 2017 and 2022, there were a number of successes for our metro region. Um, the area received 26 new buses, um, and there were four electric buses. Um, um, I don't know if you've seen those out on the road here in Iowa City. Um, a mobility coordinator was also hired. So um, there's a mo mobility coordinator available um, at Johnson County. Um, three passenger rail studies were also completed and discussion regarding that is ongoing. And finally, um, the Iowa City Area Transit Study was completed with the goal of increasing ridership to provide better collaboration um, between the three transit agencies, but then also to um, better inform um, those people that want to ride transit. So the metro area transit ridership, um, as you can see based on this graph, um, increased dramatically between 2008 and about 2014 during the Great Recession. Then as we saw the economy recover, as gas prices fell, ridership declined. Um, again, the onset of COVID um, brought a drastic decline in ridership, um, resulting in more than a 40% um, decrease in ridership, um, and it's, it's lower than those peak years of 2013 to 2015. So how and when transit will recover is unknown at this point, and really um, how um, people travel from point A to point B, or whether or not they need to travel anymore, um, if they may be working from home, that is unknown. So how that will impact our, our transportation network is to be seen. Lastly, um, these are our next steps. So we plan to, as Kent mentioned, hold another public input meeting next week, and it will be the same um, overview that we gave you all tonight. Um, we have a 30-day public comment period that is now open. Um, if you're interested in providing feedback, comments, questions, there's a survey link on the MPO webpage. Um, you can click on that and provide your feedback. You also get, can get in touch with us directly um, by email or phone. Um, and then we hope to um, ask for final adoption of the plan in May, um, and then we will have our um, plan available um, for the, the metro community, um, the vision for, for the network. So um, we are available um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you haven't connected with us, please do. Um, but at this point, we'll open it up for any questions or comments. Feel free to leave um, anything in the chat box would be fine. Um, we'll give you a couple minutes. Otherwise, um, like I said, feel free to, to reach out to us directly or via the link on the webpage. Anna, are you seeing any questions pop up on your screen? I can't see any on mine. I'm not seeing anything yet. We'll wait just one or two more minutes here. Noah says thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Noah.
Anna, do you see anything else pop up on your screen? Okay, thank you all very much for your time and attention. And like Emily says, if you'd like to learn more, please go to our website at mpojc.org or reach out to anyone on our staffs. Thank you and have a good night. We do have one more comment. Oh, we do. From the ELs, I've enjoyed riding the bus to school with my son. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Thank you for that comment. Everyone have a wonderful night.